Good morning. Imagine that you were going to a place you've never heard about before. For me, it would be something like Turkmenistan. For a journey. For one month in the country. And you had two choices of travel. In the first choice, you don't get to choose anything. You don't get to choose where you are going. You don't get to choose what you eat. You don't get to choose who you talk to, what you see, nothing. There is a travel agency that will take you there and you go through whatever they tell you to do and you come out. In the second option of travel to this country, you have complete freedom to do whatever you want. You are dropped in this country and you are left on your own to say what you want, do what you want, eat what you want, drink what you want and stay there for a month. We don't like the first option because it is too regimented, too robotic, too boring. We don't really like the second because we don't know anything about the place and we don't know if we're going to make it out alive. And we kind of need some sort of guidance. In the journey of life, there are two hypothetical extremes as well. So on one side are all these strict religions where they make your life robotic with all their rules and regulations. On the other side is humanism with no rules whatsoever. Man is at the center of everything and you can do whatever you want. But we really want an in-between state because we are in a journey where we have no prior experience. So we want an in-between state between being a robot and having complete freedom. We don't like the first option because we want to exercise our free will and we want to choose. And we don't really like the second option because we are apt to make huge mistakes in our journey of life due to our ignorance and inexperience and short-sightedness. We really would like a third option. We would like a path, if present, that God has made for us, a path that we can choose to get on. So the question is, is there a path that God has laid out for us? And the answer is yes, but unfortunately, it is not a straightforward, easy path. Today, I want to talk about a scenario along that path of God's will. A scenario that plays out quite often. And in a sermon entitled Darkness Between the Doors, I want to talk about this particular scenario that plays out numerous times as we go along the path of God's will. Many times before God opens one door, he closes another one. And there is a brief period of darkness while both doors are closed and we are sitting with no door open whatsoever. And in this period between the doors, we are sitting in darkness. Why is it that God does this? Why is it that there is many times before the second door is open, the first door is closed and we are in this period of darkness? This morning, I would like to look at five reasons why God gives us closed doors and this period of darkness 
between the doors. The first reason why I think why God does that is because he wants us to depend on him. He wants us to increase our faith in him and our dependence on him. Trouble is expected in this world, even on the path of God's will, there is trouble expected. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, it reads, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God wants to see, as we go through this journey of life, if we doubt him at every step, if we hit a road bump, In our pursuit of God, we will face trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, says the Bible. Nowhere in scripture does it say that your road is going to be roses without the thorns along this journey on the path of God's will. In the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, details a story of how the people of Israel left Egypt and came to Canaan, over a period of 40 years. As soon as they left Egypt, they were followed by the Egyptian army in pursuit. And as they were running away from them, in front of them was the Red Sea, behind them was the Egyptian army, and on both sides of them were mountains. So they had absolutely nowhere to go. And mind you, they were following the will of God. They were doing what God wanted them to. And now they were stuck between closed doors with nowhere to go. It is at that point that they had to choose to depend on God. And even later, during their complete sojourn in the desert, there were numerous road bumps that came one after the other, after the other, even though they were walking along the path of God's will. And every time God wanted them to trust him and to depend on him and not doubt his purposes. Cory ten Boom was a Dutch watchmaker and a Christian who, along with her family, helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II by hiding them in her closet. She was imprisoned for her actions and later released. She said this, When a train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark to you, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit still and trust the engineer to get you through. As we go through this path that God has laid out for us, there are going to be numerous periods of darkness between the doors. There is going to be one closed door and no other open door. And in this period of darkness, God wants us to depend on him and to trust him that he is leading us. When there is nothing else to fall back on, we will fall back on God. And the the more we tend to depend on other people, the more periods of darkness between the doors God may give us so that we can depend on him more. The second reason why I think God gives us this period of darkness is to show us a better way. It is possible that the existence of the first door can be distracting 
so much so that we don't even look for a second door and we are not aware of a second door. So God has to literally shut one door so that we can look for a second door. In the book of Acts, the first few chapters talk about how the church was formed for the first time and it shows the issues of a developing church and there were thousands of people that were added to the church with each passing day. But the Jewish people rose up against the Christians at that time and they killed one of the disciples of Jesus by the name of Stephen. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 about the day that Stephen was stoned to death. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So everybody was scattered. All these thousands of people were scattered from Jerusalem to all over the place. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Do you see what happened when God closed one door? They went out to the surrounding areas and they preached the gospel. The fact that God had closed the door in Jerusalem forced them to go to Judea and Samaria and spread the gospel. It is a fact of the persecution at that time in Jerusalem that caused that immediate spread of the gospel in the surrounding areas. And in my life, there are numerous examples, and I'm sure in your life, there are numerous examples of how God closes one door And because that door is closed, we look at other opportunities, other areas, and God opens another door after that. Let me give you two examples from my own life. In 2017, my private practice was not doing well. In the two years before then, it had built up well and we were doing extremely successful practice. Because we did so well the year before, My family, we moved to a new house. We made some bulk purchases for the practice because the office was doing well and we had and we needed those things. But in 2017, starting in about February, it started to go downhill. I had less referring doctors, less patients coming in, and I did way less procedures from February till November almost the whole year. I had seven staff at the beginning of the year and I kept having to let people go until I had only three staff remaining by November. And in November, suddenly something switched and the practice started doing great again. But during those nine months, while that door was being closed, Just because I had to make ends meet, I started looking at other opportunities to work. As a result, I started working in the Maryland prison system as one of the the three or four only surgeons in the entire state. 
I did that once a week and I also did worked at a practice in a neighboring state, Pennsylvania. Once a week I would drive up there. I found this practice that needed my services and I went there and I started working extra jobs to make it happen. But the year after that, in 2018, my practice started started to do well. And so now I had a great practice and I had two other jobs. Now these two other jobs would never have come about if my practice were doing well. But the fact that my practice was not doing well forced me to look at other areas and other options. So when God was closing one door, I looked for a second door and God opened other doors for me. Let me give you a second example. When I moved to the state of Maryland from Missouri, I had preached during my time in Missouri, but when I came to Maryland, since I was not an official pastor, I could not get into the teaching section of any church. And so I started looking for churches where I could use my teaching and preaching abilities. So the first few churches that I looked at, it did not work out. The third church I looked at, I met with the pastor three times. I met with the planning staff that planned the meetings and I met with multiple people and there was hope. And even though I did not agree 100% with some of their core doctrines, which was a mistake that I made, I still pursued this because I wanted to use the gift of preaching and teaching. But somehow that fell through. And the week that fell through, I remember it was 2016, February, last week, the week that fell through, I intensely started looking for options. I started looking for churches that wanted a teaching pastor, that had advertised for a teaching pastor. And because one door closed, I looked for other doors and God opened another one. And that is where I still am. I preach once a month at this other church that I found during that time period. Many of us are going to face a closed door. Either you are in the darkness between two closed doors or you're about to face one soon. And many of us are going to sit behind the closed door and cry and question and wonder and wish it were not so. But sometimes the only way that God can get us to another door is by closing one door. The third reason why I think God gives us two closed doors and the darkness between them is to confirm his will to us. You know, if there are two open doors, it makes it hard to determine what God's will is. So by God closing one door, it makes it easy for us to know what God's will is and it makes it easy for us to follow his will. During the second missionary journey that Apostle Paul had, which lasted about three or four years, he went mainly to what is present-day Greece. He went with his companions, which included Silas at the beginning, and then Timothy was added on at the end. And listen to what the Bible says about something that happened along his second missionary journey from Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 16 and I will read verses 6 through 10. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So God had closed that door for them to go into the province of Asia. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of God would not allow them to. So there was another closed door. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia, because the door was closed, and went down to Troas. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see what happened? There was closed door, closed door, closed door, and Paul continued to wait and look for the open door. And when they found it, they went through that. It was easier to decide what God's will is when there are closed doors. If there were two or three open doors, it is hard for us to determine which exactly is it. Because we don't know what lies behind. We don't know what's going to happen in five years. So we only know what is going to happen right now. Suppose you're trying to get married. And there are two proposals before you. And both the young ladies are equal in the sum total of their qualifications. And I'm specific when I say sum total of their qualifications because... That's how you got to look at a person, right? You don't compare two people on individual qualifications, in quotes. As in, is this person more beautiful than the other one? Is this person more educated than the other one? Is this person... No, you don't look at that. You got to look at the sum total of their qualifications. So you look at their beauty or their profession, their personality, their abilities, their the way they interact with people, the way they interact with you, their spiritual awakening, number one, and so on. And suppose there were these two fine young ladies and their sum total of their qualifications were equal. Now what do you do? You see, it's much harder to decide. You can decide and say, well, that person... Well, both of them are spiritually awakened, but that person is more beautiful, but this person has a better personality. I mean, how do you decide? You cannot go by individual characteristics. You got to take the sum total and the sum total is the same. Wouldn't it be easier if one of them said, oh man, you're so ugly and walked away. That would make it easy for us to marry one of them when one door is closed. Obviously, it's not great for your morale or your confidence, but it makes it easy to follow God's will when one of the doors is closed and one of the ladies walked away and the other one surprisingly still stayed. It is easier for us to choose God's will if God closes one door. Unfortunately, In the journey of life, it is only in an ideal situation that the moment one door closes, that the second one opens. So you see the problem? When one door closes, you will find that the second door is also closed. And that is why in that brief intervening period when both the doors are closed, that we have this period of darkness. When I'm praying for God's will in my life, 
I more often ask for God to close the wrong doors than for anything else. Because the more doors he closes, the easier it is for me to walk in his will. The fourth reason why I think God gives us the darkness between the doors is for fellowship. So that I can listen to God. So that I can spend time with him. And in the darkness we will seek God. In Acts chapter 9 it talks about Paul who as we read earlier he was dragging people out and putting them into prison and torturing them and persecuting them after the death of Stephen. So in Acts chapter 9, he is going to Damascus to do the same thing and to persecute Christians. Let me read for you verse 3 following. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. The doors had closed around Saul, and now he was forced for those three days to spend time with God. And that three-day interaction led to his conversion soon afterward. Jonah was a prophet of God that was running away from God. And what did God do? God shut the doors around him. And he found himself soon in the gastrointestinal system of a large fish. Not a happy place to be, but it was the only place that God could get him so that he could have communion with him, can have fellowship with him. And similarly, after a three-day fellowship with God, God let him out from there. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, writes this. Pain is not only immediately recognizable evil, but evil impossible to ignore. We can rest contentedly in our sins and our stupidities, and anyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite food as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that we can ignore our sins and our stupidities and our pleasure, but we cannot ignore pain. He continues, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes God has to give us closed doors so that we will seek him. When we are too busy chasing the gifts that God has given us, God will thankfully and graciously remove some of them and close some doors so that we can seek Him. I have personally had more periods of closed doors in the darkness than open doors. But with each such period, my fellowship with God has only increased. The fifth reason why I think God gives us 
the darkness between the doors is to prepare us for the second door. To prepare us for the second door. Many times we are not ready. We are not ready for the second door. In the book of Exodus, it talks about the people of Israel that were in Egypt and how they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And the entire book is about how the people of Israel left Egypt. But God needed somebody to lead his people out of Egypt and into Canaan, the promised land. And that somebody was Moses. And Moses was the adopted prince, the adopted son of the princess of Egypt. And he grew up in the palace. So at age 40, here is Moses who could have been a leader at that time, but God didn't think so. So through a variety of circumstances, Moses found himself exiled and he ran away from Egypt to an obscure place at that time by the name of Midian, where he lived in large obscurity for 40 years. He was 40 years when he left Egypt and he stayed in Midian for 40 years. One third of his life, he stayed in obscurity. That's how long it took for God to prepare him for the next phase. Because the last 40 years, the last one third of his life, Moses came back to Egypt and led the people out of Egypt into Canaan for 40 years. Moses had a 40 year period of darkness. And during the, these 40 years, God was preparing him for the second door. The first door was closed. Now the second door wasn't open yet, but for 40 years, God needed to prepare him. I assume that that may be one of the reasons why people don't move on to the next step because they are not prepared. Maybe it is in your workplace, you're not able to move up to the next step and God doesn't open another door because you're not prepared to walk through the door. Maybe that is a reason for some people in marriage and God has not opened that door for them because they are not prepared. Don't get me wrong, no one is fully prepared and fully ready for the second door. No one is. The only way a person can be fully ready for the journey ahead is if they went through that journey once. But we don't get that opportunity. So nobody is fully prepared. But we need to be sufficiently prepared for the second open door. And that is why Moses had to stay 40 years learning the desert system wandering around in the desert before he actually led the people of God through the desert. After his three-day conversion that Paul had that we talked about, he went away for three years to Arabia. Why? To be prepared for the journey ahead. For three years he spent time with Jesus as he was getting trained and then he went on his missionary journeys. And the same thing happened with the disciples. They had a three-year training with Jesus walking around before they were prepared enough for the second door. Is it possible that before every major decision, before every major step up, that there needs to be a period of darkness so that we can be prepared? Of course, many times that preparation can happen 
while we are walking through this first door, before the first door is closed. But sometimes that preparation can happen only during the darkness between the two closed doors. If it is true for major life decisions, it can be true for small decisions as well. You may ask me, how long does this darkness last? And the answer is, I don't know. Sometimes this can last from a few days to many years. For Paul, it was three days. For Joseph, it was two years. For Moses, it was a 40-year wait. It is however long it takes for God to fulfill the purpose why you were in the darkness in the first place. Was our darkness to teach us dependence on God? Then until we learn that, we will be stuck in the darkness. Was it to teach us to have fellowship with Him as God reveals Himself to us? Was it for preparation for the second door or for any other reason? Whatever the reason is, until that reason is fulfilled, we will have this period of darkness between the doors. In light of the benefits of this period, maybe we should long for the darkness between the doors. We know that this period of darkness is maturing us when we are not flustered and in despair. Rather, we are patient, expectant and waiting. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that in the darkness between the doors, God is present and we can enjoy his presence and consciously should during this period. It is not a darkness devoid of the presence of God. It is a darkness in the presence of God and sometimes only with the presence of God and nothing else. Maybe I should not call it a darkness anymore. Maybe it is a light between the two doors. The worst period of this darkness between the two doors happened about 2000 years ago. And let me read a few verses that capture the sentiment of that period. In Luke chapter 24, verse 17 following, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. But that door was slammed shut and we don't have hope anymore. You see, on Friday, Jesus was crucified and Saturday had to be the darkest day between the doors. For three years before that, the juggernaut had built up. It started slow. Jesus was just a carpenter from Nazareth. Then he was seen as one of the many rabbis in that culture. But the miracles increased. His absolute command over nature and the natural order of life took him from being a fringe rabbi to a national phenomenon. His disdain for an a-spiritual human religion made him tremendously popular among the people that were wilting under its burden. Hope had risen. 
But that Good Friday, he was crucified, and all hope came crashing down, like the end of a drum band finale. But the reverberations of the fading crescendo were still ringing three days later, but that Saturday was the worst. The door was closed, and in the darkness his disciples were scattered, their faith in shambles, and their hope non-existent. In the song The God That Failed, music band Metallica in their 1991 eponymous album wrote these words, I see faith in your eyes. Never you hear the discouraging lies. I hear faith in your cries. Broken is the promise, betrayal, the healing hand held back by the deepened nail. Follow the God that failed. That Saturday, it surely looked like they had followed a God that failed. When that door closed and the darkness settled in, it looked like the hope for humanity's salvation was completely gone. The darkness, it would seem, had shut the light. But unbeknownst to the physical universe was the revving power of the collision of what would seem an infinite number of galaxies, the power of life over death. And that power would burst through the visible realm on Easter Sunday and the second door would be flung open, shown symbolically in the opening of the tomb. And that second door was the door for salvation, a better one, an eternal one, a universal one, a door through which everyone can have access to God. In Isaiah 22 and verse 22, it reads, I will place on his shoulder, talking about Jesus, the key to the house of David, what he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts no one can open. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, there is mention of another door. This time it is your door. Here I am, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. 2,000 years ago, the door for salvation was open wide. And the invitation still remains for anybody who wants to walk through the door. This morning I want to give the opportunity for two groups of people to respond to the sermon. If there's anybody here who's never asked Jesus into your life and never come into a relationship with God and never been able to experience that fullness and that closeness of a relationship with God, you can pray with me. I also want to give the opportunity to a second group of people. Maybe there is somebody here who is sitting right now in the darkness between the doors. Maybe for you, every single door around you has completely closed. And you've gone through failure after failure after failure. And now there is no hope whatsoever. And you are sitting still with nobody around you. Let me remind you that in the darkness between the doors, God is present. And he has a purpose for the darkness between the doors as we discussed today. 
If there's anybody here who's never invited Jesus into your life, you can pray this prayer after me. If it is a prayer that comes up from the bottom of your heart, God will answer. And like he said, he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. If you open, he will come in and have fellowship with you. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. In this journey of life, I don't know what lies ahead. I am not equipped for this journey of life. Thank you that you are the God that created me. Thank you that you are the God that died for me. Thank you that you are the God that rose again for me. I ask you to come into my life and make me complete. Thank you for leaving that door for salvation open for me. Come into my life and help me to have a relationship with you. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody who is going through this period of darkness between the doors. And I pray that in this lonely period, they will come face to face with you. And that this period of darkness would be a life-changing experience for them as they seek you, as they see you, as they seek you and come into a fellowship with you. I pray that this period of darkness would truly be a period of light between the doors. In Jesus' name, Amen.